0: Answer the question, Judge.
1: The court will wait for an answer.
0: If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred, Colonel? Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object. and When it went bad, you all, cut Captain. these guys loose, Your Honor. You are markers inside a pony transfer Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn it, can't You coerced me. the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt, you. Colonel Jessup. Order the code red. You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want
1: answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! You got to love Jack Nicholson. Probably one of the most famous lines that we've ever heard in the movies. Uh, You know, you think about that. Today we're going to talk. I'm going to share with you about the belt of truth the first part of the armor of God that uh, Paul talks about. But, you know, when you think about truth, I'm hoping by the end of this message that you all have a better handle of the truth. Because the truth is pretty subjective right now, isn't it? There's a lot of versions of the truth. So I'm glad you're here today. Uh, Again, Pastor Russ and Chris are up in Great Falls. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Russ had the opportunity to share the first in our series on the armor of God called the spiritual realm, okay? And one of the things that uh, Russ shared on that was to stand firm, you have to know your enemy, right? You remember that? And we are in a battle, and we are up against a powerful enemy. And he shared with you who the enemy is, what his tactic is, and why you don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. If you missed it, it's up on the podcast this week, so make sure you tune in because it kind of sets the table for this message here today. But one thing is, Russ finished the message with this, he says, you don't have to be afraid of your enemy, the devil, Satan, because he is defeated by warrior God, amen? He's already defeated, and he also shared the, the message or the theme for this message, which is God fights for us, God fights for us. And uh, he shared a scripture from Exodus, chapter 15, verse 3. It says, let's read, it's up there, I think, on the screens. Yeah, there it is. Let's read it together. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. So, you know, we we understand that God fights for us. Today, though, we're going to look at the belt of truth, and what's really interesting, um, I don't know about you, when I, we started studying this, I, I had some different visions of what the belt of truth was, so I'm gonna hopefully help unpack that for you today. But you know Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, lived 700 years before Jesus did, okay? And he prophesied this, and this was in verse 11, or I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 5. It said the Messiah will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Isn't that amazing? So 700 years before Jesus was born, Messiah, or, uh, Isaiah could see that Jesus was going to be that belt of truth for us. It's pretty cool. And the Bible tells us that God wears this armor and that we wear the same armor. Okay? And we're all in a battle today, right? Everybody's in some type of battle. Everybody's struggling. And there's good news. There's good news. God fights for us. He fights for us every today, every day. So I want to start out today um, in Ephesians chapter six. This will be up on the screens behind you, and we're going to camp out in verse thirteen through eighteen. But we've got something really kind of exciting. We've got a couple of neat things today. One is Xander Bird. Come up, Xander. Xander has actually memorized the scripture from thirteen to eighteen. So and, and he's not afraid. And here, let me turn this on. Are you ready? All right, you, you get us started. It'll be up on the screens. Go ahead, buddy.
0: Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith and with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep praying for all the saints.
1: Amen. Great, great job, Zander. You know, you know, the Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, if you train a child when he's young, when he grows old, he will not depart from it. So t- tell us here, what, what do you want to be when you get older? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> well, it's live, folks. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It's good to have you up here. Let me help you down. Let's give him one more round of applause. I know mom and dad, I think mom, you told me that uh, I think he wants to be a pastor when he grows up, right? That's what he's, okay, so that means be a Now a firefighter, awesome. <laughs> well, that was an awesome job. Awesome job. Hard act to follow. <laughs> So today we are gonna focus on the belt of truth and as Xander shared that, verse 14, uh, Paul said, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, right? And you know, it's kinda funny, I got a funny story. You know, truth like we were talking about, truth's hard to nail down these days, isn't it? And uh, in our family, truth has been nailed down because I'll tell you this, Julie and I have been married 36 years. And she's usually right. And I'm wrong, right? <laughs> you guys, you can get an amen, right? <laughs> that's, that's the secret to a good marriage. But the other day, uh, we were in Costco. and You know, a few years ago, we went into Costco. i got to tell you a story. We, go, we walk in there. You know how Saturdays are? They're crazy. And you got all the food vendors. This Saturday was even more so because we went in, and uh, the smell of toast, buttered toast, bread was in the air. You know, yeah, getting some nods. Well, you can tell I like bread. So I'm like, you know, (laughs) a moth to the flame. I walk over to uh, this great big display. Usually they're just those little end cap ones, right? This one's big. I mean, it's like the center. And it was Dave's Killer Bread. Guys, anybody have Dave's Killer? Yeah? You're all going, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. So we go over there and we try it. And uh, we chose the 21-grain, non-GMO, organic, in the green container, right? So that's, that's. I mean, I, since then I've been eating that every day, and I love it. Well, the other day we're in Costco, and, you know, we're doing our thing, and we go down the bread aisle, and I said, you know, I, I think we need some bread. Julie goes, nope, there's two loaves in the freezer in the garage. And I said, nah, I got the last one out, hon. We're down to one loaf, and, you know, if I get down to a loaf or less, I get nervous, right? <laughs> so she goes, nope, there's two loaves in there. I said, honey, I know I took the last one out. She goes, okay, okay. She kind of bought on my, my my truth there, right? So going home, you know, guys, I'm thinking, I got this one nailed. She's wrong this time. Finally, I'm right. <laughs> I'm finally right. I know this. So when we pull into our garage, we kind of have to pull in at a little bit of an angle because of the truck, and she's on the passenger side, and I'm on the driver's side. So I open up my door to get out, and she gets out the passenger side. And, you know, there's the refrigerator right there. So she walks over and opens up the freezer door. Guess what's on the bottom shelf? Two loaves. <laughs> Two loaves of Dave's Killer Bread. Organic, green. Uh, anyway, it, it was funny, but it, it it just goes to show you that you know, Julie was right, and I was wrong. But in the end, when I'm looking at that, those loaves, you know, I looked at it, and I said, you know, truth, truth wins, right? The truth is st- staring me in the face right there. I can't argue with that. So, you know, that is a, is a great story. But when we look at truth today, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm not going to get off on rabbit trails, and Russ told me not to, but, you know, when you listen to the news, <laughs> yeah, I know, we rehearse this. Yeah, Russ, good example. Yeah. (laughs) This one won't make the podcast. Uh, But, you know, you guys listen to the news. You know, I'm sure there's so many ways we get it, right? But there's so many variations of truth anymore that truth has gotten real blurred. You know, and for years, um, you know, we really measured truth as part of what we call the scientific method, right? And I think it's up on the screen behind me here. But you know what? That's been used for hundreds of years where you ask a question you construct a hypothesis, right? And you make a prediction and then you conduct experiments. You test it over and over and if it's repeated, it's truth, right? And that works for a lot of things, but not everything. But there's some of you in the room that might say that that's my way I determine truth is the scientific method and that's okay. But there's another group of people that took a look at that and said, you know, I've got some bigger questions that that doesn't answer. Like, is there a God? You know, why am I here? Where am I going? You know, what's my purpose? Scientific method didn't answer those questions, did it? It can't prove God's existence. It can't prove where we're going. And for those people, they looked at truth and said, you know what? I guess there's no absolute truth, right? My truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth, and you know what? I'll just go with what I believe. You go with what you believe. And then... You've got a third group of people, the religions of the day. There's some pretty aggressive ones out there, right? And they say, hey, my truth is the only truth. And if you don't believe my truth, you're going to go straight to hell. And there are some people that believe that. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's no one here like that, but that can easily, especially if you grow up in a religion like that, you can believe that's the only truth, can't you? And so those are some ways that we determine truth. But about, uh, we keep coming back to, the, to one question. What is truth? What is truth? And, you know, I think I want to I throw something out to you guys. Is it possible that we're asking the wrong question? What is truth? What is truth? You know, uh, 2,000 years ago, a, pretty sm- a fairly intelligent guy, I'm pretty sure he was, named Pontius Pilate, asked that same question what is truth? He's the governor of Judea, right? A Roman governor. You know, he headed up a legion, but he's also a very political, smart man. And uh, he asked that same question, what is truth? We're going to jump into John chapter 18. Now, it's not going to be up on the screens, but we're going to start at verse 33. So if you've got your Bible in front of you, uh, go ahead and turn to that. And by the way, if you guys didn't get a note, we've got note pages right here, and I'm sorry I forgot to mention that. They're up front or they're at the back, back there. So grab the notes right there. So, John chapter 18, verse 33. You know, here's the backstory. You guys have heard this a lot, quite a few times, but Judas is standing in front of Pilate, right? Or Judas. Jesus is standing in front of Pilate. And uh, this day, Jesus has been through five trials already. On this day, this is his sixth trial in front of Pilate, and you know he was turned over by Judas to the temple guards. He was paraded before the the Sanhedrin and Caiaphas, and the Jewish leaders found him guilty, right, of blasphemy. But they didn't want to kill him; they wanted the Romans to kill him, so they turned him over to the Romans to crucify him, and they trumped up some charges that he, of course, called himself a king and. You know, it was sedition. It was, it was a charge that would earn you death in Rome. So here he is in front of Pilate. I'm going to pick it up here at verse 33. It said, then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. He asked this question, are you the king of the Jews? You see what Pilate's doing here? He's trying to get Jesus to incriminate himself, right? You know, because if he says he's a king... In Pilate's mind, there is no king. There's only Caesar, you know, and that's uh, that's uh, that's going to put him under the death penalty. Jesus replied, "Is this your own question, or did others tell you about me?" Can you imagine if you're Pilate, you know, and you ask somebody a question, you're used to people, you know, answering your questions, and this guy asked, Jesus asked him a question back. I'm sure that kind of unnerved Pilate. Might have ticked him off a little bit, right? Because if you look at at Pilate's Answer, it says, am I a Jew? Pilate retorted, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight for me for being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. He asked the same question again. Jesus responded to him, this is great. You say I am a king. You say I am a king. He won't take Pilate's bait. But here's the important verse here. He says, actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. In that one verse, Jesus identifies himself three times with truth, right? I am the truth. Pilate, though, goes, what is truth? What is truth? You see that? Jesus is standing right in front of him. But Pilate is asking the same question that a lot of people are asking today. What is truth? And Pilate couldn't see that. You know, we we really don't get a feeling for how Pilate asked that. You know, Pilate would probably, could have followed the scientific method, you know, where he wanted to know, um, you know, have improved to him. What is truth? He might have asked that, asked that gen- genuinely, or he might have been ticked off by that point in time, a little cynical, and basically looked at Jesus and just said, what is truth? I hear truth all the time. What is truth, Jesus? You know, We don't know what he was, how he was thinking, but he did ask the question, what is truth? You know, and perhaps he thought truth was on trial that day like a few good men, right? But in fact, and this is what's so interesting, is the truth was standing right in front of him, and he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. Jesus identified himself as truth, but but Pilate could not see it. And what's interesting is, you know, really the reality of things was that Jesus wasn't on trial that day, and the truth was not on trial that day. You know, in the strangest turn, when you look at the story, Pilate was actually on trial. Pilate had a decision to make, and he couldn't make it properly. And I think the problem was that Pilate was asking the wrong question, like we do today sometimes. What is truth? You know, what is truth? He should have asked the question, who is truth? Because truth was standing right in front of him. So on your pages there, if you're taking notes, you'll see that what is truth is really the wrong question that we ask sometimes. You know, it's who is truth is the right question. And why? Because truth doesn't exist without a source, right? It's like when I walked out to the refrigerator with Julie and I looked and opened up the freezer, the truth was right there on the bottom shelf, right? Two loaves of killer bread, you know? I couldn't argue with that, you know? There has to be a source, and Jesus Claims over and over again to be the truth, and Isaiah identified him as the truth. The whole Bible points to Jesus as the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But but right there, I don't know how close they're standing. You know, probably closer than we are. You know, Pilate couldn't see it. He's looking right at him, and he still is asking that question: What is truth? And what happened after that? Well, truth was condemned, right, to die. But Pilate didn't want to do that. What did he do? Right after that, he takes Jesus out into the courtyard and he, he invites the uh, court of public opinion, right? Let's them choose. And what do they choose? Barabbas. They chose a the lie, right? They didn't choose the truth. They chose Barabbas. At that point, Jesus is the truth, is convicted. The truth takes a beating. He's scourged you know, the Roman scourging. How many of you guys saw The Passion of the Christ? That was too hard to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brutal. Jesus was scourged. He was beaten. He was forced then to carry his cross. You know, and he carried the actual cross beam, which was, they figure was anywhere from 80 to 120 pounds. You know, there's pretty big guys in this room, but I don't think I want to carry that. After I've been beaten nearly to death, a half a mile uphill. That's what happened to the truth that day. He carried that all the way uphill. And he was nailed to that. And then he was killed. The truth died on a cross that day. But you know what the good news is? Gladly it didn't end there. You know, the truth, three days later, the truth came forth. And the truth came out. It broke out of the grave. And in the end, you guys, truth wins. Amen. Truth wins. You know, can't say that enough truth wins so the question that you shouldn't ask is what is truth but say the question should be who is truth and Jesus Jesus is truth we can count on that that's bedrock principle and truth wins so when you're in that position where you feel that the truth isn't winning I got to say I was there that week when I listened to some of the news that's going on in this country and I'm not going to go off there but, you know, you can't figure out all the answers sometimes. You know, you're in, you're in an argument and the truth seems elusive. Or, you know, you don't have the answers to all the big questions. Maybe the Bible doesn't answer everything for you. But you do, the, do know this, that truth wins. Truth wins. Sometimes it seems like the, the world is choosing the lie. Like they chose Barabbas, right, instead of Jesus. They choose the lie instead of the truth. But we know in the end that truth wins. Truth conquered death conquered hell, he conquered Satan, he conquered the grave, and he wins. So belt of truth, we understand, right, truth wins, and truth is Jesus, right? But I want to have you guys um, think about the belt for a little bit, because I really struggled with that. Um, So we're going to go back to verse 14 here. And we actually, you know, one thing I love about collaboration is, uh, you know, Kate Forrest over here, Kate really helps us out, so does Russ, uh, Bob Fick, we all really work on this, and uh, Russ really geeked out one of his words, right? He geeked out on this uh, on this verse, but we went looking at different translations, and he landed on the ESV, the English standard version, and that one says, "Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having fastened on." Now the word having fastened on. Our word, having fastened on our three words, is one word in Greek. It's one word, okay? And it's called parazoname, parazoname. Here's what's interesting. Not only is it hard to pronounce, but it is a word, a verb that is past tense. So here's here's what I'm thinking. Every time I say, you know, when you buckle on the belt, right? Like you get up in the morning, right? One of the things you do after you put your pants on, put on a belt, right? You know, you do it every day, so I need to do this every day. But this verb is a past tense verb, having fastened on the belt of truth. So here's the good news, you guys. If you're a Christ follower today, you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the belt of truth has already been fastened onto you. It's already been fastened onto you. It's past tense, okay? And it's not something you do other than to step across the line of faith. And this is really powerful because it, it's telling you your position in Christ, right? That as a Christian, you're positioned in truth. You're literally. So when you're in a battle and you're standing there, you have that belt of truth buckled onto you, okay? And it's on you all the time okay? And you're in truth because you're in Jesus. But, you know, one, I, I have a friend of mine that uh, taught me, sometimes it's hard to get these things in the Bible. He says, if you can read it literally, then interpret it literally. Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That whosoever believes in him, not perish, but have eternal life. That's easy to understand, right? But then sometimes when you see a belt of truth, you know, you go, hmm, doesn't really make sense so you have to look at it when it doesn't make sense you have to look at it contextually look at it in context who's the audience who's who's teaching that so you know one of the things that you have to understand in the book of ephesians is that paul was writing to the romans or writing to the ephesians i'm sorry but he was in a roman prison okay and uh he had roman soldiers around him all day long and they were in roman battle dress and one of the things um that they they wore a tunic that came down to about here, right? And it basically had room for their legs to go through, two holes for their arms and one for their their head. Um, The belt that they used isn't, I threw a couple of belts. This is the belt we think of, right? Dress belt, sometimes they're reversible, pretty cool. Not what they're wearing, okay? What the Roman uh, soldier wore was more like a weight belt, you know, And this would wrap around him so he'd have his tunic on, and he would put this over the tunic, right? And it would lock into here. And when he would go into battle, normally the tunic would hang to here, but when he would go into battle, he would pull the tunic up into this. And it would, when you hear this term, gird your loins, the loins back then aren't what we think of today. They were thighs. So he would literally expose his thighs for battle so he was more nimble. Okay, so this was more the belt of truth than what Paul was looking at but it still doesn't share the whole belt of truth from the, the way that God belts us in, okay, this does not do that um, it, it, it acts more like just a support so I'm going to ask my good friend Gabriel Martin I know everybody's been wondering about this <laughs> good object lesson come on up Gabe yeah, give him a little walking music Gabriel's been climbing rocks for quite a while, haven't you? Let me get this mic up here. So how long have you been uh, rock climbing? About six years. Six years? Why, why do you climb rock faces? Uh, it's a point of focus, and uh, it's, it was a healing experience for me. Okay, Awesome. Awesome. So you're climbing into this harness. I see it goes around your waist, but it also tucks in under your, under your legs there. When you're climbing, what's, first of all, what's the highest face you've ever climbed? Uh, just over 1,100 feet. 1,100 feet. That's like about a quarter mile, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. If you notice, guys, while he's put, getting into this, that he will hang his tools on the side of this. So he's got everything on that belt. And the reason that we wanted to, you guys to see this partially is the belt of truth is like this. It's not just around the waist, but it actually supports your whole, it's the foundational piece. When you're in a battle, this thing, and we're going to show you from a rock-climbing aspect here. Gabriel's going to get up here, and I'll show you how this belt works. Oh, by the way, don't ever try this at home unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> you are a professional, right? <laughs> Careful, everybody. You see, he's not afraid with the belt of uh, climbing belt on there, are you? <laughs> That's actually the first time we've gone off the ladder, so I'm glad.
0: <laughs>
1: I was telling somebody if the beam comes down, we'll all meet Jesus early today. <laughs> It'd be the greatest service ever, right? Sorry, Russ. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Gabriel. I know you're clear up there, so use your, your most authoritative uh, military voice. But you can actually, when you're in a climb, you can actually stop like that, right, and rest? Yes. Yeah. So you're not always using your upper body or your legs? Right. Right. So the harness does, helps you do some things you could never do, correct? Climbing that hill. And what else will that harness allow you to do that will almost defy gravity? Uh, see things from a different perspective. See things from a different perspective, huh? Could be Spider-Man. <laughs> nice job! Wow! Let's give him a round of applause. We just felt like, guys, when you, when you think of the belt of truth, you know, it's more than just a belt. Yeah, you want to grab that and get her off? You got her. Thanks, buddy. Getting a lot of a lot of it. It was hard to upstage the uh, knight in shining armor last week, you know. That was a great one. But, you know, it, the belt of truth is more than this belt, right? It literally supports, it becomes the foundational piece. And when you think about it, when we're in a battle and Paul says to stand, and not only stand, but stand firm, right? We need a harness like that, the belt of truth. And the belt of truth is really the foundation, as God fights for us, Jesus, we literally step into him, into his truth. He belts us in, okay? and I had a video of a, of a Formula One race car driver that we were going to show, but we just didn't have the time. But when they get into the car, it's so compact, the guy says, I can't, I can't buckle in, right? He can't move his hands. He has to put his hands on the steering wheel. His crew chief literally straps him in. And that's what happens, you guys. When when Jesus, when we step across the line of faith, Jesus buckles us in. Isn't that exciting? We stand in that truth. And I always thought that's something I do. I don't do that. You don't do that. But you do have to step across the line of faith. You have to be a Christ follower to be buckled in. If not, you're on that rope with no harness. Anybody want to be up there with no harness? (laughs) Not for long, because guess what? You can try to climb it. You can try to hold on with your own strength. Even the strongest guy in this room is only going to hang up there for a while. He's going to fall, strongest woman, right? But that harness, you can sit in that. And I love that analogy because there's times in the battle where we're tired and we're weary, and Jesus is that strength, right? He's that foundation. He he puts us there. So we're positioned, we're belted in. So the next time you're kind of getting buffeted, by all the false truths, okay, I want you to think about this, that in Jesus, truth wins. You are buckled into Jesus, truth wins. You don't need to get buffeted around by a lot of different, quote, versions of the truth, right? John eight thirty two, Jesus is speaking. He says, and you, that's all of us in the room, will know the truth, and what? Truth, truth will set you free. Everybody bu- The truth will set you free. You will know the truth. So when you cross that line of faith, you say yes to Jesus, you will say yes to truth. You won't say, what is truth? You'll say, Jesus, you are the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, you rose from the dead, so I know that truth wins. In the end, truth wins. I can count on you. Jesus went on to describe it, John 16, verse 13 he says, when the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit. And he was talking to his disciples, and this is before Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit hadn't been unleashed on the earth yet, but the Holy Spirit is here now. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Okay? So when you step across that line of faith, and as that song says, I will put my seal on your arm and on your heart, the Holy Spirit... Will come and He will guide you. He will direct you in truth. So when you're not sure about what you're up against, you know, you can go to Jesus in prayer and the Holy Spirit speaks through us and He will guide us and He will direct us. So I want to encourage you guys uh, if, if you're still battling with some of these age old questions like how do I know that the Bible is true or is God real? You know, uh, why am I here? What's the purpose for my life? I want you to remember the big question today is, who is truth? That's the only question you need to answer. And you can embrace that truth today by asking Jesus to step into your life and put on Jesus. Let him buckle you in. And through him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen? Let's go ahead and put our stuff aside for a little bit. And uh, I want to ask you guys to bow your heads and pray with me. Um, first thing I want to ask, though, I just felt led to do this. Um, for those of you that know the Lord, know, those of you that, are, that know you're buckled in Jesus, those of you that if something happened to you, God forbid, today, those of you that uh, if you were to pass this day, those of you that know that you're eternally secure and you're buckled in, would you guys just raise your hand? Just everybody in the room that feels like they are totally secure in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's exciting. That is exciting. Go ahead and put your hands down. But also, I want to speak to those of you that didn't raise your hands. You know, today is a day like no other. This this could be, it is always the, the first day of the rest of your life, but it's also the best day of your life. And I As we prayed this morning, we just prayed that God would move just powerfully in this group today, that those that have not stepped forward and not asked Jesus into their life, that this could be that day. You see, right now, you're hanging on that rope, and you're just hanging, you're swinging, and you're being buffeted by the world and by all these different truths, and you have an opportunity right now to step across that line of faith and have Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, buckle you in Buckle you into that harness. Buckle you into the belt of truth. And then you can stand firm in, the, in this life and in the battles. And you can stand firm in the face of the enemy. So right now, anybody in this room that's ready to take that step, I just want to encourage you right now. Everybody's heads are bowed. Their eyes are closed. Would you raise your hand up and make eye contact with me and just say yes to Jesus? You know, he stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door and knocks. Anybody here that isn't ready to take that step, I encourage you to raise your hand, and we'll pray for you here. This could be that day for you to get buckled in. For anybody else today that maybe feels like they're getting buffeted by the world, by illness, by financial circumstances, or the loss of a job, Anybody here today that needs extra prayer for that, would you raise your hands for me? We've got a prayer team. Keep your hands up. And if we have anybody here that can go alongside you and pray with you, just keep your hands up so we can see you guys. We want to pray for you. You know, this church is a it's a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. And I just want to pray for you guys as you're being as you're being ministered to. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you came, that you went through six trials. You went through the most horrible death that the Romans could ever envision, God. And yet you rose again. You are truth, Jesus. And right now, I pray that you would help these that have raised their hands, that need you to come alongside them, God, to belt them in and know that they are positioned in you, and truth wins truth wins. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. So we pray right now, God, for each of these needs, and you know them, and I don't, and no one here does, but we know you do. You know the very number of hairs on our head, and God, we just pray that you would, you would answer these prayers, that you would minister to them, that you would help them to know that they are in you, that they have strength, that they, that they win through you, Jesus. So I just pray a, a very special blessing over them. I pray over these needs. I pray over the Russ and Chris and Great Falls, God. I pray that you be with them right now and ministering through them to that congregation, God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus, and we just worship you. Pray that you would just continue to move through this congregation, Lord. Just ask us in Jesus' name. Go ahead and grab a seat, you guys. We want to take a look at some next steps here things you can do. First of all, is to get connected and stay connected to Jesus. For those of you and everyone in the room that is connected to Jesus, one of the, th- the ways to stay connected to him is just what you're doing here is to be in fellowship, right? To be in worship, to be in prayer. Also encourage you to get involved in a small group, the connection groups we call them. Uh, that is a great way to get to know other believers and walk that those. The life of faith that we have, okay, and then to serve. You know, Jesus said two greatest commandments: love God, love others. Right. So service. If you can get involved here at Connect or wherever, serving others, those stay. You stay connected that way. So that's one. Two. Don't take the belt off. You know, uh, that Roman soldier. He when he would would lay down to go to sleep, he take you know take his helmet off. You know to cool down he take, you know, he put his shield aside. He'd take his sword off. But he would always, always leave that belt on. Okay, the belt is always on. And you think about the belt of truth and how we're positioned in Christ. You know, at night is sometimes when the enemy attacks, right? That's sometimes he likes, he's, you know, as Russ shared, you know, he is the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He's, he's stealth. He likes to come in the night. So keep the belt of truth on at all times. Stay buckled in. Like Gabriel when he was climbing, he doesn't take that belt off in the middle of a climb. Don't take the belt off. Finally, three, read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get to know Jesus better. They used to say, I know Russ always gets on me about being churchy. Some of my old Lutheran background (laughs) comes creeping in, but uh, he would say, "Read, read your red letter Bible, right? The red letters, the words of Christ. That's how you get to know Jesus. That's how you get to know Jesus is read what Jesus said. And then check out on here the most important thing. We put it on the back, and I actually clipped it out. Truth wins, right? Say that with me. Truth wins. You know, I'm big on putting these things up somewhere so you can remember them, right? So cut it out. Paste it up on your, on your, uh, on your mirror in your house or on your, put it on your fridge. You can put it on the dashboard of your truck or car. And just remember that truth wins And Jesus is truth, right? Who is truth? Jesus is truth. Not what, but who. All right.